We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. So I'm recording this after the uh, defeat to Tottenham at White Hart Lane today. Uh, our first defeat in five, I think it is. I don't like the feeling of being beaten. I've almost forgotten how it feels like after a good run of, of wins. And losing to that lot just makes it even worse, doesn't it? Yeah, in today's show, we've got James, Unifanatic49, Paul... Pozzling in my pants and Elliot, Yankee Gunner, talking about the game, about what went wrong and not much that did go right. Yeah. So, what went wrong from my point of view? It seems to be, a few people have already said so so far, that we are finding trouble or having trouble with teams that press up the pitch. We can't get out of, of the press and we get stuck in our own half and then it's a matter of time before we concede. Um, I mean, you know, we got the first goal. We didn't get many breaks, but we did break at that point, and Danny Welbeck did really well to get in the box and cut it back. And Mesut Ozil scored. It looked a bit offside, but we'll take it. Not that it matters too much now. Um, excuse the background noises. Uh, but then after that, we just got pegged back, and we we rarely got out of our own half. Too many players underperformed. Couldn't keep the ball. When you can't keep the ball against a team who are on form at home. Chances are going to concede. And we did. Two goals from, from in-form striker Harry Kane. Um, so, yeah. Don't know what to say about it, really. We've got, to, we've got to find a way of, you know, being able to get out of that situation. Borussia Dortmund did it to us earlier this season where we had a 
terrible game. And the same thing, we got hemmed in our own half and couldn't get out. You know, same sort of thing happened at Anfield. We had a lot of the ball and a lot of chances because we couldn't get out of our own half and Tottenham did the same today. Something we need to find a way of fixing. Um, I have no idea how to, how to solve that problem. I'm no coach, I'm no manager. I, I definitely do not know the answer to that, but it's quite evident that we're having problems with that or have had problems with that. So, yeah, anyway, my weekend is destroyed now. Been a bit numb after the final whistle now. Feel a bit glum, feel sorry for myself, as I'm sure many of you do, but enough of my moaning and groaning and and crying. I'm going to hand you over to uh, three excellent guys who um, talk about the game a lot more thoroughly than I do. So, until the next time, Tuesday, where um, hopefully we can beat Leicester and... Um, and get back on track because you know as down as we all feel now let's not forget we we're on a good winning run playing good football as well let's not just throw the baby out with the bathwater and and cry too much because you know we are playing well and let's just get back on track and you know solve the problems that we have and um win games winning games is good losing games is not uh yeah so there's that for you all right anyway next time goodbye Glib introductions and humor aside, Arsenal lose at White Hart Lane and it is going to be a doomy, miserable, and generally unpleasant podcast. So if you don't appreciate that sort of thing, you can press stop now. I think I hear uh, James taking his headset off and walking out of the room. But we're going to try to do a podcast nonetheless because uh, that's what everybody needs is a generally discouraging discussion of our performance today. Um, Arsenal lose 2-1 at the lane. It means that we will not be beating Spurs this season. Unfortunately, I don't believe we can face them in any competition because thankfully and hilariously they are out of the uh, FA Cup and we are not in the uh, Capital One Cup final. So that's it for North London Derbies this season. It ends with four points to them. Um, On the day, we took the lead, but then pretty much got battered for about 80 minutes, lost to one Arsenal fan, renowned Arsenal fan, Harry Kane, with a brace. Um, I want to start... I guess by introducing my guests. Let's do that. Let's be professional about it. So we'll start by introducing they're regulars. They're not guests. They're 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 the foundation of the show. Uh, James is Gunner Fanatic forty nine on Twitter. By the way, my name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Uh, already off the rails. James, welcome to the show. Hi, Elliot. Afternoon. Yeah. Good afternoon. Great afternoon. Um, and with probably the most feeble woohoo or no woohoo, I'm guessing it is positive in my pants, also known as Paul. Hello, Paul. Woohoo. Yeah, that's right. That's about right. Um, so, I I guess let's do this. Let's just cover the goals really quickly. Um, opening goal, Welbeck gets free down the wing and scores. Actually, you know what? Let's back up. L- let's start with, with, the, with the starting 11. Um, the manager had some big calls to make. There was some talk that Sanchez might try to make the game. He didn't even make the bench, which is fine. If he's not fit, you have to rest him. Disappointing, but the right decision. Um, but opted for Welbeck straight back into the side after injury in place of Theo Walcott. Um, the rest was the same as it was for Villa. James, what did you make of uh, the 11 he picked? Uh, going into the game, I think it made sense. Pretty much maintaining the same eleven. Uh, this one swap being Welbeck in for Theo uh, in a game of this ilk, going to White Hart Lane, where you can expect to be under the cosh, um, 
certainly a lot more than at home to the smaller sides. A player in Welbeck's mould, he's he's obviously got the pace, but more importantly, the physicality. You would think he's better at holding up the ball, better at regurgitating possession than someone like Theo. Less opportunities as such to um, take advantage of uh, um, spaces in the Spurs' defence and really uh, try and play behind the lines, um, which Welbeck does contribute to to a certain degree. And obviously what it did allow was to be able to bring on Theo um, later on in the game. But I think as you could even see then, it's, it's very hard to effectively use Walcott when you're so um, heavily on the back foot for, for such large parts of the game. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it didn't. Uh, well, Welbeck contributed particularly well to the first goal, but his performance as such, which I'm sure we'll come to later, mm-hmm. overall um, wasn't fantastic. I mean, he he, he didn't actually retain much, um, possession of the ball particularly well, um, and I think that was fairly um, representative of, of much of the team throughout the game. Um, even and most surprisingly, even with Santi Gazzola. So. Um, yeah, I think I think the the first eleven did make sense. It's just um, unfortunately on the day the team performance was was pretty abysmal. Okay, um, how about how about you, Paul? Surprised to see Welbeck come straight back in, uh, coming back from injury, and and Theo, despite his scoring record against uh, the Spurs, against Spurs being as good as it it has been. I mean, did, did that surprise you at all? Would you have done anything differently? It did. Maybe, maybe opt for Rasicki. What do you think? Uh well, having seen the game, I'd have opted for Rosicki. <laughs> well, okay, I mean, but, before the game kicked but off. But in advance yeah. of that, uh, I was very surprised at Welbeck. Uh, I mean, the logic is obvious, and he probably proved his point on the day, I think, overall. Uh, everybody else made sense, so uh, not too much to say on it before the match. I, w- I was very surprised, you know. Um, obviously, it, it talks about options, although we've lots of options. If we'd had a a fitter, more match-fit player than Welbeck who could do what Welbeck does, I know that's a kind of a contradiction in itself, he'd have played. But it's it's interesting that the, the manager didn't back Theo today. I think that's very interesting for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, actually. Um, so I, I think... The way the game unfolded was interesting. We scored the first goal. Let's quickly touch on the goal. Um, Welbeck did brilliantly to get away down the the wing. I think his pace kind of surprised. Was it Danny Rose? And um, he put in a really nice pulled back cross to Giroud, who brilliantly scuffed his shot right to Ozil. Um, Some debate about offside, but I think it would have been harsh on us if it had been given. Um, The goal was sort of a a classic counterattack move to some extent. James, what do you what do you think of the goal? And at that point, did you think that you know, given given that our whole run of form in this new style of playing, if you want to call it that, has been based on scoring first and counterattacking, did that give you a lot of optimism for how it might go from there? Absolutely. I mean, up until that point, Tottenham had certainly been the the far better side, but that hasn't been abnormal. When, especially if you compare that to say the City game, for example, the the kind of way in which we've adopted our the way our approach for these these types of fixtures away from home in recent times, it was a fantastic counter-attacking goal. It was um, exactly the type of goal you would kind of would hope that the the, the shape of the team could um, could create. And Welbeck's pace to beat Danny Rose and play the ball across was was excellent. I mean, <laughs> Giroud's 
it was it was certainly an attempted goal and was extremely fortunate to find Ozil out on the left, but it was a fantastic finish. I mean, at that point, what you were hoping for was a, was a side to be extremely compact, solid, to not give away too many chances going into halftime and really frustrate the home crowd. The problem was, even though we did end up taking the lead into halftime, we were far too open at the back. There were this, although we tried to adopt a similar shape to that of the game against City, it, it didn't seem to be working out particularly well at all. I'm, I'm sure the instruction from Wenger wasn't much different, but the, the actual execution of the performance was 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 far below par. Yeah, there were several times, for example. I mean, I'm again, I'm I'm sort of straying back into the game, but you where Bellerin was just caught was was dragged in essentially by Ericsson, and there was far much far too much space on that left. Um, so he was exposed, and even you would anticipate bringing in Danny Welbeck for Walcott was um, a major aspect of that was the defensive contribution that he would add to the team. But frankly, there were several times where you felt that Danny wasn't actually tracking his runner and wasn't coming as, as deep as I may, may have expected, especially having taken the 1-0 lead. And there was no point in that game after, after going a goal ahead did we really look particularly secure as a side defensively. Yeah, I, I mean, um, it was interesting that it, it played out a little bit like last season's game at the lane, right? I mean, we scored early and then just soaked up immense pressure for the remainder of the game and never really looked like threatening. And we got away with it um, last season, and we we didn't get away with it this season. Um, Paul, they, let, let's give you the pleasure of discussing their goals really quickly. Um, the first goal, corner kick, I guess you could say Ospina flapped at it. Um, does Ospina need to do better there, or is it a case where it's kind of a a whip-headed cross and, and it's just instincts, or would you like to have seen Ospina do better to push it wider around the post there? I think, you know, my, my main thought on Ospina and that goal is it would have been nice had it been six or eight inches taller like Chesney because mm-hmm. that ball doesn't get limply palmed further now that's that's a tough thing to criticize a short keeper for but had Chesney been six well Chesney is six inches taller that that issue doesn't arise there um now we might have had problems elsewhere on the pitch for Chesney instead of Ospina but I thought overall Ospina did well on the shot blocking but you know he palms it into interesting places and maybe in none of the critical moments was it our problem, mm-hmm. but uh, where he doesn't seem to make a diving save to catch the ball. I know it's gone out of vogue a little bit. Maybe that's more continental keeping these days, but some of those saves become a little bit more acrobatic than maybe they really need to be instead of grabbing the ball. Those would be my criticisms of Ospina, but apart from him being a little short, I don't think they cost us a goal from an error. Um, You know, I I think the issue with the first goal for me, my feeling on the first goal was you allow that many corners. We did really well on the corners, but it just takes one knock on one deflection to put into an awkward area. And Harry Kane's very good at that shit. So that was the first goal. The second goal I'm thinking to my, you know, you got to say two, one wasn't an unfair score on the day so you know you can break down the goals as much as you like overall they probably deserve to get two goals from somewhere with all of the play the possessions etc when you look at that second goal like my first reaction is well when you put in a cross that good and you have a guy rise to the header that good you know sometimes you know incidents win games and 
that was a one-off play where they deserved it and the on the run of play they deserved it with all of the set pieces and the the pressure but when you look at it you ask how did he have when you go back and look at what a great cross it was mm-hmm. how did he have that much time and no pressure again on the right hand side of defense mm-hmm. um so now at that stage uh Welbeck was gone so that would have been Walcott on Bellerin's side and I, I obviously it was clear there was a hole on that side of the pitch all day long and I just wonder you know was the issue that w- with all the pressing Bellerin uh, uh, was getting pulled into the 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 fray the melee in the middle of the park instead of hanging out right because the hole on the right was just on the right side of our defense was huge all game but in that case uh, you know, was it Walcott who should have been closing him down? Somebody needed to, there was nobody within a mile of, was it Ben Taleb who put in the cross? Uh, but anyway, it was a beautiful cross, but they tend to look beautiful when nobody presses you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I thought it was a little harsh on Koscielny to, to criticize him for what was really a good leap and a great header mm-hmm. from Kane, but the ball in was beautifully delivered because he had all day, all all the room in the world to to make that, that delivery. Um, We're going to get to the general parts of the game a little bit later on. So we'll talk about the way we played, the way we handled their press, and and a little bit of a philosophical question about playing the way we did. But I want to get to some uh, individual performances. We're also going to talk about the referee because I think you have to talk about the referee, but I think it would be a little bit precious, no matter how poor Atkinson was, and the manager actually was critical of Atkinson after the game, I, I, I think we have to put this on us. So let's talk midfield. You know, we're fond of saying that we have the better squad than they do, that we have the more talented team than they do. And, you know, their they're back four is no great shakes. They We know how Pochettino likes them to play, energetic pressing. Our midfield got beasted today, for lack of a better, better way to put it. Francis Coughlin played the best of our midfielders. Um you know, and and that's reflected in his nine interceptions, three clearances, one block shot. Uh, he he made four tackles. You know, meanwhile, you had no interceptions, no clearances, one tackle from Cazorla, two one and one uh, from from uh, Ramsey. But the thing that I think was really interesting when you look at Ramsey and Cazorla, Cazorla seventy five percent pass accuracy. Aaron Ramsey seventy percent pass accuracy, which is abysmal. Uh, Ramsey six unsuccessful touches and a, and a dispossessed. Santi Cazorla one unsuccessful touch, but three times dispossessed. Compare that with Coughlin, who had no unsuccessful touches and only two dispossessed. So Coughlin, I think, still did his job, and he kept Erickson relatively quiet, which is what we wanted from him today. But Ramsey and Cazorla could not break the press, and we've seen this before this season. In Dortmund, energetic pressing in our half, we couldn't handle it. We were absolutely destroyed. When Liverpool energetically pressed us at Anfield, we crumbled. We could not get out of our half, and we were lucky to get away with a point there. Um, James, what did you think about Cazorla and Ramsey's play today? Why do they struggle, if they're such technical players, to deal with pressure, to find a man, to move and get around the press? And and I think, you know, Cazorla's been playing really well, but I want you to be... As, as, um, I guess, critical in your observation of Ramsey's performance as possible. I know he's a player you really highly rate, and we, we don't always see the eye to eye on him. I'm curious whether you think he's a player who definitely warrants a starting spot right now and should have played all 90 minutes on the basis of how he was performing on the day. 
Um, well, firstly, with regards to my perception of Ramsey, I'm I'm perhaps not as much an aficionado of Aaron as as you may think, purely because I I often find myself trying to you know back him when when he's given un, unju- when he's unduly criticized. Fair, fair enough, I that's say, a fair at point. At least in my opinion. Fair point. Um, whereas today, I don't think I can pay. Um, or I can defend Ramsey particularly um, all, all that much because he was certainly one of, if not the weakest performer on um, wearing a red shirt today. Um, he gave the ball away a lot, not only in deep positions where we where it led, led, led to Spurs being able to sustain significant pressure in, our, in, in the final third, but also you know one of the, the aspects of the game that we... Well, well, that I have often complimented about Aaron is that ability to to turn it from defense to attack and also bring that decisiveness and um, that energy in the final third too. And he was particularly poor and particularly inefficient in both um, sides of the field, which was extremely disappointing to watch. And you know, it, the thing is, it's obviously it's easy to pick out individual performances, um, as is often the case with games like this. It's you know, it's, it's difficult to even pick out one good performer because often if things go wrong it's it, it's down to structural and and issues with the unit as a whole and and the t- team performance as such because the performance of of the midfield is so heavily reliant on how the midfield plays together as a trio that 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 sort of triangle between Coquelin, Santi and Ramsey um and you know that was partly broken down because of how energetically and and well Spurs play, but also a, a lot of that was to do with with the performances of, of Ramsey and Cazorla together, which often left Cochrane fairly stranded in in that central deep lying role. Um, I thought, well, I mean, the the thing with Ramsey, um, which has been probably the one of the biggest issues looking at it now, is often you can talk about perhaps individual performances being slightly off because, the te- as, I've just, as I've just mentioned, that the team hasn't been playing well together, hasn't been gelling. Perhaps the earlier parts of the season, you can talk about maybe partly why Cazorla wasn't performing in quite the same fashion that he has been recently. Um, but even, even, during the, even in that 5-0 victory, even in, you know, say, the City performance, that we haven't really seen a, a strong or an outstanding performance from Aaron as such. He's kind of, he, he's put in a good, good shift. And he's... You know that is the one thing with Ramsey is because of that athleticism and stamina that he that he possesses. I think Wenger likes to play him for that full ninety minutes because he's quite a unique midfielder in that sense. He 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 gives us a well, he theoretically gives us a, a lot more defensively than um, any of the other equivalent midfielders that we have in the squad, um, and also theoretically again has that ability to um, create danger in the final third. Um, but moving away from Ramsey, who did have a particularly disappointing performance, but I do think, again, it's hard to drop because of that aforementioned reason with the kind of style of play and, and, and the way he, he contributes to the midfield and also just perhaps, in my eyes, the potential, the knowledge of the kind of form that he he can have, especially, you know, well, as an aside, given the type of fixtures we do have coming up, perhaps it's, you know, perhaps we can create another run in which perhaps Aaron can build some form. But... Aside from that, is I think it, it was interesting to see just how poor Santi's performance was today, given the inc- incredible form that he's been in. And I think when we've talked about, you know, given how much competition there is, if there's any any players that perhaps are 
somewhat guaranteed a place in this side, you would look to maybe Koscielny, Sanchez when fit, and given Cazorla's form, um, him too. But today's performance was was as bad as we've seen for a long while. Um, perhaps, again, some of that to do with just how, um, well, down to the lack of cohesion within that midfield trio. But um, I don't know, it was, sh- it was shocking that we didn't see much of a- any of Santi's ability to kind of wriggle away from possession to... Um, from sorry, tight spaces in in our own third. That ability to alleviate that pressure that we've often relied on him in these last few games, especially at City, he was he was so pivotal um, for the way in which we could just um, sort of battle against that that tide. Um, yeah, I mean, if just sort of thinking about it now, it it it, it, was, it was extremely frustrating to watch, and I, I don't know what that what that's down to. Whether it's down to the way Tottenham performed, perhaps you know the lack of unity that we seem to have, or or the way that we struggled with the press as a whole, or or just whether he had what you know an off day as such. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think he, we'll get on to the manager and the style of play in a moment, but I, I I do think that you know exactly how Pochettino plays. We struggled with it last season against Southampton. We struggled with it against Dortmund away. We struggled with it against Liverpool away this season. Maybe there should have been a bit of, a bit more of a warning and a bit of a different approach to to how to handle that, but we can we can come on to that in a little bit. Um, uh, I I think Paul, since James did a pretty comprehensive job of covering the the Ramsey Santi thing, I, I want to give you a chance to look at a couple different players. But first, just just to the point about Ramsey, I mean, you tell me that he's either in there for his defensive contribution and his work at the back, or because he can come in and pop up with a goal, but. He had no shots, not no shots on target, no shots in the game, virtually no defensive contribution, and completed the lowest percentage of passes in the team outside of Olivier Giroud and and David Ospina. 70% pass completion in the midfield for a player who had the most touches in the game. That explains why you struggle. The player who the ball is going through the most, who does the worst job with it, unsuccessful touches, uncompleted passes or incompleted passes, um, that's a real problem. And I think f- five months of last season aside, I do wonder if... I think Aaron Ramsey is a fabulous player with a fabulous future, but right now I just don't see how you can claim that he is ahead of other players who are available for for that for that place. Um, Thomas Rzicki may be 34, but, but he's a better player than Ramsey on current form. Um, we, we can debate that another time, and... You know, we'll have to see if the manager has a decision to make there. We've talked about competition and the importance of competition in the side and how it brings out the best in players. But if Aaron Ramsey is undroppable, then there really is no competition for that place, and that doesn't seem right given the amount of quality that we have in the squad. Um, I'll go over to you, Paul, with, with the question more in the attacking third, the final third. Um, Welbeck, Giroud, Ozil. Um, you know, Mesut Ozil has been criticized for performances in big games, and this was a tough game for him. Um, he has 74% pass completion. He, he he wasn't super involved. He scored a goal with a great touch, um, but otherwise fairly anonymous, maybe still adapting to life out on the wing. I, I think, ideally, you would like a player like Mesut Ozil playing more than 27 passes in a game. I mean, that that's really not the kind of involvement I think you want from your 42 million pound playmaker, especially when you're trying to break down pressure. Someone who's so comfortable on the ball 
um, maybe more comfortable than a Ramsey or, or a Casorla. But what did you think of the performance of, of sort of the trio of front players and and especially Giroud, who I think for me was hiding a little bit today, had chances where the ball came to him in the box and once again didn't seem to want to take the responsibility. Make him laugh, make him <laughs> laugh. Um, so you you uh, you can't really pull me out of the Santi Ramsey conversation because I think it impinges on everything else you just okay, talked well, about. Okay, well, no, that that's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, and uh, I, and I, and I won't say too much there. on it. No, please. Yeah, I won't say much on it because you you have covered the bases. But I thought Ramsey was okay to poor, and Cazorla was absolutely invisible. Yeah, I and agree with that. And then going up the other end, I thought Coquelin did great in the sense that he did as good as you're going to do when, you know, you have three pl players that need to play intensely and one of them's kind of meh and, and the other's like doesn't show up. And then you go to how good... Now, if I told you those facts and then, and then you knowing Ozil... Well, back in Giro, asked you how well do you think they're about to play. I think you'd probably guess what their performances were like. Mm -hmm. And you know, Ozil was pretty Ozily today, and I don't mean that in a entirely pejorative sense. But you know, he does what he did. He 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 was reasonably good at taking care of the ball some of the time, but other times he loses it when you think he should have done better. Uh, he didn't bring the intensity all over the field that you're going to get with somebody else like a Welbeck who we had or a Alexis. or a uh, a San yeah a Sanchez you know my horse my horse my kingdom for Alexis can can, can I just make one point about um, Ozil too I mean you like Ozil to be able to play players in behind the press and get players into space especially when they're mm -hmm. pressing high up the pitch but if you put the one player with pace Welbeck on the opposite side of the pitch from him and put him closest to Giroud who can't really run behind players you don't give him a lot of option yeah. except to carry the ball and hope to find runners and and we never really got runners out in front of Ozil today for him to play that ball I I agree. I mean, if you think of where Welbeck got to on the pitch, he rarely got to a point where he was doing a Theo run. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then Giro, you know, he and, and connecting play, but that wasn't what was going on today because we couldn't get the ball out from our feet in midfield. You know, how many times did we did the next wave of pressure come from what we did when we got the ball back from them the previous time? And, you know, I, I don't know what the issue with Cazorla was today. I, it's one of those things, if I don't watch it a second and a third time and read everybody else's thoughts on it, I'm not sure I'll get to the bottom of it. If the manager tells me that Cazorla fought through flu today and was only 70%, I'd say, well, that makes sense. Let, let me give you some statistics that'll just, just put into perspective. Not the statistics tell you everything about a game, but... It'll put in perspective just how poor Cazorla was, especially with the form he's been in. He committed no yeah. fouls. He blocked no shots. He made no clearances. He had no interceptions. He made one tackle. Okay? So defensively, basically no contribution. He played only 28 passes at a 75% accuracy. He had no through balls attempted and no accurate through balls. Um, he had one key pass in the game and he had no shots on target, no dribbles, no successful dribbles. 
He was not fouled in the game, although we can get to Atkinson. Okay, dispossessed three times in an unsuccessful touch. And, oh, by the way, he only had 39 touches in the whole game for someone who's supposed to be at the heart of our midfield breaking the press. So that is about as anonymous and poor as you can be when you are the pri- the person primarily tasked with breaking pressure and, and turning defense into attack. Would you then say that you kind of give... Giroud and Welbeck, and even to some extent Ozil, a bit of a pass because Ramsey and Cazorla weren't doing them any favors in terms of creating room to, to, to get them into space? Or, or do you think that you know, my, my, my complaint with Giroud, I, I think there was one moment where, again, the ball came to him in the box in a place where, you know, another striker makes that a chance. And, and he, he looked for someone to lay it off to, and there just wasn't anybody there. Um, but in general, would you say the midfield breaking down is, is a big reason why the front three couldn't really perform? Absolutely. But, you know, they don't really get a free pass because that's a weakness of theirs that the, without a midfield, you know, Sanchez would have done something today. Mm-hmm. He would have made something happen. Not saying he would have scored, but, he, you know, now to be fair, Ozil did something, but after he did something, he was kind of Ozily, and you, we needed... Uh, somebody to lift the pressure and to make something happen down the other end. And, and to, you know, Welbeck gave us a bit of that. Uh, but the other two, not so much. So it was, it is a weakness that, that when things aren't going away, our way, they don't always make something happen or Ozil kind of languid style feeds into a performance that's already going the wrong way. So it, it, when I look at the Cazorla thing, the second thing I look at is, you know, would Mourinho have left Cazorla on the pitch for seven, whatever it was, 65, 70 minutes? I mean, it, it, if we're right in what we're saying, he should have been gone by half time with Rosicki in. And the manager should have said he was suffering from a flu or whatever you want to say to protect the player. But, he, you know, maybe my eyes first time round didn't see what I just saw, but he, you know, I love Santi. We all love Santi He's PFA player of the, the month for, for two months in a row. And he was God awful. He should have been added there at halftime. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. You know, I think it just, it broke down at every stage. I mean, Olivier Giroud, he, he won eight aerial duels. He played 53 passes, just one behind Ramsey's 54 for the most in the side. I think he had about 70 touches. His pass completion percentage was 54.7%. Um, you know, he was dispossessed four times. He had two unsuccessful touches. And the reason I bring up these statistics is I think, again, it plays into the point that we did try to play the ball up to him. He was winning aerial duels, but in general, as that pivot, his distribution wasn't good, and it was that meant the ball was coming right back at us. Um to be fair, though, Elliot, mm-hmm. you know, there's two sides of distribution and the other is the people making themselves available for you in the movement. And so, you know, Giro is is providing service to Cazorla, the number 10. And uh, if these guys aren't making themselves available, you know, it all feeds into itself. So I don't know. Unfortunately, the way Giro is, his strengths didn't allow for him to work around the problem of the day more than he was the problem. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that that I think we have to discuss also in the context of this game is David Ospina. I mean, he's he's made the number one his by keeping clean sheets. Today, he let up his first two Premier League goals, and you could argue that the first one he was to blame. 
Uh, the second one you can't, but he certainly gave himself some trouble with some saves where he pushed the ball back into dangerous places. I also thought his distribution was generally poor. The one thing I didn't like about the way he distributed today is, you know, he, he has a calmness when he has the ball in his hands to some extent. He doesn't do what Chesney does, which is look to throw it out quickly and start a quick counterattack. Um, but today I thought that that actually did a disservice to us. Spurs were piling the pressure on and piling forward. And I think there were opportunities when he collected the ball where he could have thrown it out to the wide men, could have thrown it out to try to start a counter and maybe given us some momentum going the other direction. But instead he stopped, he slowed it down, he kicked it long. And of his 40 you know, long balls, only 20 were accurate. So you know, he was kicking long 40 times. Um, that's not traditionally how we play it out from the back. And I think that contributed a lot to... Again, us having difficulty bu building up the play. Um, James, do you think today Ospina, Ospina's run as number one came to an end? You know, I've seen split decisions on social media. Some people saying his saves today were the only reason we were in the game. Some people saying he didn't do well enough with the saves, didn't do well enough on their first goal. Um, where where do you come come down on, on Ospina's performance today? And do you think that maybe Chesney is... is going to come back in and retake the number one position? Um, well, before I answer that, I'm just going to quickly um, sort of respond to your discussion on his distribution. Okay, sure. Well, while I do agree to a, a certain extent that his distribution wasn't particularly excellent in the sense that it wasn't quite as accurate as it had been in the, in the last few games, it does seem as though that, well, either it's been an instruction from, um, from perhaps Arsenal, maybe it's just a style of play over spinners to often settle things down, let the team push forward slightly, you know, in, at, in the meantime, also obviously allowing the opposition to, to regroup defensively, but to have to sit slightly deeper and target Giroud and hope for Giroud to either hold the ball up or win the flick on and, 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 and try and build possession from there. That was something that even against Aston Villa, a game in which we won particularly comfortably, uh, was a tactic that we used. I, I agree. It was a tactic. I'm going to tell you something, James. Though, just my opinion. I just think that's his style. I don't think he's as comfortable throwing the ball out. I don't think he's used to throwing it out to start the attack from the back. And I just think he's a keeper who prefers to kick long. I mean, I, I could be completely wrong there, but Arsenal have played that way for years. I find it hard to believe that suddenly they've told a keeper we're going to completely change the way we play out from the back. No, I, 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 it may well be a style, although. I mean, I think Theo's goal against Aston Villa was directly came from a quick off. Yes, that was that was brilliant. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I think we could have done more of that today. But but again, sorry, go on. Well, maybe, maybe. I think sometimes with these things, hindsight's a little twenty twenty. While I don't particularly agree or disagree as such, I'm not sure if it was a key aspect because I'd argue that in the City game, him taking the time and like alleviating that pressure and calming the team down, especially in a game where we were far more solid and, and gave away far less chances. Um, I, I thought played into our favor. Fair enough. You, you know what, James? Um, I, I think I that'll think... come up in our conversation when I get to something I really want to talk about, which was our overall approach to this game generally and sure. whether we approached it the wrong way, which may be why I'm, I'm seeing it that way. So why don't you continue? T tell me a little bit more about what you thought about us being, and I think we'll we'll kind of get back to that point in a more general way. Sure. Um, well, like, like I said, I mean, I, I didn't have – Many qualms as such with his distributions, but distribution. But it was a very strange performance in the sense that he did make a couple of very good saves, um, or at least saves that aesthetically looked quite pleasing to the eye. Especially um, 
more so the saves earlier on the um, when Harry Kane cut in with one towards the back post that looked like a pretty good save came out for a corner. But the issue is, especially given his size as a goalie, which especially compared to to Chesney, the the man competing for his place, you do fear that that does give him a disadvantage in a his ability to handle the ball, not only from crosses but also shots that come at him because other goalies who are in an equivalent position may may have more opportunity to get their arms around the ball, whereas he's being forced to parry it out. I wouldn't say there were many saves as such he made that, you know, given his style of goalkeeping, were executed all that poorly. Um, you know, given that, for example, most of his parries, they all often went out wide. I, you know, I'm sure a goalkeeping coach often says, you know, if you're going to parry the ball, push push it wide away from danger rather than back into the middle of the um towards the penalty, middle of the penalty area <laughs> but i you do you know you do fear that given given his is his type of goalkeeping in matches like that where we're under the cosh it, it it adds to the pressure slightly more because even even when he does make a decent save you're then having to face another corner um and when he came out for the ball most of the time he was he was fairly apt the thing is, it's it's hard to judge as well. Sometimes, is you know, if he if he was a taller goalie, if it was a Chesney in his place, would a Chesney for that first for the first goal, for example, would he have would he have just purely been able to to grab that ball instead of being forced to push it out? I don't know. It's it, it's difficult to judge. I mean, also there were a couple of shaky moments. I think he he was given a back pass at some point. Was it in the first half? And he was put under pressure, and he kind of tripped over and. Um, and, and cleared it out for a throw, and he he looked a lot shakier today. It was the first game where he was put under a, a, a real significant amount of pressure, where the, the back line wasn't as solid as, as solid as it has been in the past. The team wasn't defending quite as well as a unit, and he, you know, it looked like there there were certain aspects of his game that um, you know, were were a little bit eerie here and there. So he, he was know, also he, a little bit fortunate. I mean, I I don't know if you want to call it fortunate, but you could have theoretically seen a penalty given for where he came out nowhere near the ball and just basically punched Kane in the back. Yeah, maybe. And he, he, even if it wasn't, it was a poor decision. It was a poor decision in, in, It was a poor decision way. to come and punch mm. the ball. Um, so, yeah, I think in a, in a nervy game like that, you know, where the pressure is high and the amount of chances we've then given the considerable number of chances that we were conceding, you just you didn't feel particularly comfortable with him in goal like as such i mean it, it was like i said it wasn't a dreadful performance but it wasn't the performance of someone who you felt could win you the game um or win you that game whereas you know although you know you look to a chesney who, who sometimes you feel okay maybe he can lose you a game because of his his, his type of attitude sometimes say coming out etc cetera, etc cetera. I don't know. You, you. I felt. I felt like, in a, especially in in today's game, you need you needed someone with that with that little bit more arrogance and that ability to really take a hold of, um, of the game when we were under such heavy pressure. Yeah, yeah. Paul, what about you? I mean, uh, it's tough, right? Because he made some saves, some some kind of showy saves, but he also made some saves where he pushed the ball right back into trouble, and and we were lucky to to get away with it. Um, he he came for the ball sometimes and didn't look very good doing it. Some of his kicking was shaky. Um, maybe at fault for the first goal, second goal, nothing he could have done. I mean, uh, what was your take on, on Ospina today? And do you think, if you genuinely believe, like I do, that Chesney is still planned to be the number one at Arsenal, and maybe not everyone agrees with that, 
then the manager would be looking for an opportunity to justifiably reinsert him. What what were your overall thoughts of Ospina, and do you think this gives the manager that opening to go back to his number one? So I thought Ospina was very... Uh, he was the keeper I think I've seen in other games, but on un- other uh, uh, under a lot less pressure. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had a worse game today in those other games. I think... He was just put in a lot of situations saying we saw more of his game. Um, I think if he keeps playing as the number one, he'll grow in a, you know, if this were Chesney, I'd be saying, well, he'll grow in confidence. I think he'll grow in confidence. I think he can get better. But I think the basic elements of his game we saw today. And uh, I don't think he, I think he did well in a lot of his saves. I think we all saw the same thing with him today. He he did very well on a lot a lot of saves, but there were saves he should make, and there saves Chesney would have make made. Uh, so, uh, is this the game that the manager uses an excuse to get Chesney back in if that's he wants what he wants? I think that might be a little harsh on him. I certainly see the logic, and I certainly think that's how it will go at some stage, unless there really is a deep issue between Chesney and Wenger, and Wenger has decided he's he's mentally the wrong stuff. But assuming that's not the case, because we don't ha- we don't have any reason apart from conjecture to think that, then is this the game? I don't know. It might take another performance, uh, or Wenger might want to take make sure Chesney thinks a little harder. But it might. Be- a little rough on Aspina to say you're going to get your chance and then drop him because of today without without Wenger basically saying he cost us the game. I don't know if it was. Re- I don't know if you can really say that today. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would say he cost us the game. Um, I, I'm curious how it would have gone if Chesney had been in goal because there mm. were some saves that Aspina made that maybe Chesney doesn't, but I think Chesney probably does well with or does better with their opening their opening goal, that corner for their opening goal. Um, Let's talk Martin Atkinson for a minute. I'm always reluctant to bring up the referee after a loss to to the extent that, you know, he didn't award them penalties they didn't deserve. He didn't deny us stonewall penalties. We Our goal was allowed to stand. I mean, if he had really, really been awful, maybe in the linesman, they, they could have ruled it for ruled it offside. I mean, the, the things Atkinson got wrong today were the foul calls, and he was really bad on that, on that front and especially the cards Paul um, to what extent I mean obviously Atkinson was terrible I think we can we can start from an, a point of agreeing there to what extent do you think Atkinson's poor performance impacted the game and, and I'll, I'll give you my my two second take on it I think Mason could have been off in the first half I mean he could have arguably had a penalty go against him for handball he had two tackles that that should have been yellow cards one that could have been red and when you're pressing and you're pressing aggressively and you want to be nipping in at the heels of midfielders and you want to be aggressive being on a yellow card forces you to be a little more circumspect in how you press I mean do you think that was the biggest problem with how Atkinson refereed the game is that he allowed Spurs to get away with with early kicks and early tackles that really played into the pressure that they wanted to put on our midfield yeah, I think that's exactly right. And conversely, you know, we had, I don't how many yellow cards did we have? We had maybe five, you know, so you got three, four, five players as the game's going on, having to go in at 70% or 80% of the intensity on those moments. Um, and that absolutely played into the, di- you know, what really gave us a problem today 
was Pochettino's uh, high press, high intensity, and Atkinson was as important a part of that as as anything else on that pitch, enabling Spurs to go in for uh, the tackles, knowing that they were going to get the calls and that we were going to get the cards and, you know, bolstering their whole approach and never slowing it down. If you think Mason was fouling all over the pitch and easily had the right to get two yellow cards, he did get a yellow card, but it took him kicking the ball away to get a yellow card. So that for me. Well, and how funny is that? Because if he had gotten either one of the yellow cards he certainly deserved ahead of that, then that kicking the ball away could have been a sending off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I thought, uh, you know, my first reaction is you can't blame the ref because he wasn't part of any of those of the two main decisions. But that's not really true. I mean, the whole reason they were getting those set pieces and attacking opportunities is because they kept the pressure on and we couldn't break that pressure and they got all the calls and all the decisions, all the free kicks, all the corners uh, because they managed to keep possession up in our end because they got all the calls. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have to add too much. I, I mean, I really, I really think that's basically where he impacted it. But James, I mean, do you have, do you have any differing view on Atkinson or is that, that's sort of how you saw it as well? Um, I mean, I, mo- I mostly agree. Certainly. Um, the issue was in his lack of consistency and the type of calls he made. I mean, there there were a lot of decisions that seemed to go against us or for Spurs. I, I think it's a you know we we needn't say that you know all all the corners and like all the decisions necessarily went in Spurs' favor. The the thing is he he certainly contributed to the pressure that Spurs were able to push us um, put on us, especially from the beginning. And the way in which the game plays out early can often dictate the way in which the game plays out over the long term. Um, the issue really, though, is as much as you can want to complain at a ref, you shouldn't really be putting in a performance in which you can allow a referee to influence the scoreline. And unfortunately, we did. Um, and I don't think there's really much else to add other than the fact that Atkinson was dreadful, but we were we were even more we, we were equally so or um, or worse. Yeah. Uh, Paul, final word on Atkinson? The one thing I'll say in his defense was he seemed to be very, very happy with his play, with his own play and his own performance. That stupid grin as he's running around while mm-hmm. Arsenal are like doing their note with him. And he's like, no, I got this, guys. I, I, you know, oh, Jesus, you just want to smash him in the face. I, I will <laughs> say that, you know, Arsene Wenger, who, who doesn't you know, always have a go at the referee. I mean, sometimes he'll have a go at a, at a particular call or something of that nature. Um, he he did make a point to say uh, just right after the game, we were not very good and the referee was at our level. So, you know, I mean, clearly he was not particularly <laughs> uh, pleased, which I think is a clever way to cover it, right? Because you're still being critical of your team, which they deserve, you're not blaming it on the referee, but you're indicating that the referee was poor as well. So that's a clever way to put it. Was any was anybody shocked by that throw-in uh, late in the game where they were awarded a throw-in, grabbed the ball quickly, and took it from 10 For, yards yeah, further well, than... Yeah, well, the yeah. manager was furious about that. That that was something that I, I absolutely couldn't understand is how he allowed that to happen. Um, but Just another one. You know, thankfully, it didn't come to anything, although it doesn't really matter now. Yeah. I, okay, so... I want to I want to 
back up now, and I want to talk about this game generally on, on two fronts. You know, we've been getting a lot of praise lately for the newfound shape that we have, defensive discipline, ability to defend. And to be fair, I thought we defended reasonably well today. Um, they did have 20 shots, but, you know, I mean, or sorry, 23 shots. But you know, by and large, I thought we were organized and, and we, we sort of solved the problems that they were posing relatively well at times. I mean, they, they looked dangerous at times too, but... I think there's a general question of did it tilt too far today? And and to some extent, is it okay to play this way? I mean, if we think we have the much better squad than Spurs, if we're a Champions League contender and a league title contender and we don't think they're one of the four best teams in England, and I know it's a derby and, and, and that means it's always going to be challenging, but, you know, it's one thing to go to City where you got absolutely ripped to shreds last season, where you need to show that you can be a little bit more solid. But, you know, I thought against City we had more about us. Paul, is it okay to go to White Hart Lane and basically say, you know, we're, I mean, today wasn't about keeping our shape and counterattacking. Today, I thought to some extent we played like Burnley would have or, or Palace would have or Leicester would have, which is try to, you know, nick a goal, smash and grab and, and hope for a point. I mean, do, do you have some frustration that we didn't try to show our quality and just be better than them on the day? I mean, if we are a better team, I, all week I was reading, we have the better players, we have more quality, our squad is much better than theirs. Is there some responsibility on us to go into this game and, and, and let our quality show through? Or are you, you perfectly fine with the way we approach the game and thinking we just didn't execute it well? I'm perfectly fine with the way we ex we approach the game. I mean, we shouldn't underestimate how effective Pochettino and this approach is. They're causing lots of people lots of trouble. It's a it's a derby. We're playing at White Hart Lane, God help us. Um, and they're in good form. Our issue was uh, parking the bus. There's a bit more to it than than just parking the bus. You know, the middle phase is we get the ball and we recycle it and we go on the counter. We didn't counter. If you look at it this way, the difference between today and city was we didn't actually counterattack today. We got a goal from one of our two or three counterattacks, but there should, you know, if you think of the Villa game, okay, we were at home where we took a similar, similar approach. We could have had 10 goals that day. Hmm. Now, as the game evolved and we played, got a bit more, Four two three one towards the end when Rizitsky got on, we could have had a couple more, and I'm sure there were one or two other opportunities. But it felt like we basically scored from our one opportunity for the first seventy minutes of the game, and our execution was so poor. You know, outside of your back, your back block, then, and Coughlin's really part of that. His job is to get it to a Ramsey or Cazorla, and for them to create the pass that gets it to Ozil or well, you know, we we kind of know how that flows go that that's where this game broke down today. Now, probably the credit goes to Pochettino and Spurs because they're supposed to be very good at this. And just like Dortmund, as you mentioned, they are very good at it. And today their plan beat our plan and their energy beat our energy and their approach overwhelmed our approach. Mm -hmm. There's an act to the park bus that we, we shouldn't just think we have suddenly become world-class at it just because we've done it the last few games. 
you know, there's a lesson to be learned in here. It's not enough to be tidy and neat. You need to be able to handle the pressure, as you so eloquently said at the start and in the middle of this. I think that's really the story of this. If we were playing Dortmund every week and Spurs every week, we'd get a lot better at breaking when we got the ball from these high-pressure, high-pressing pre- high situations. But we only this is something we only run into once or twice a season. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's tough for me because I, I know game situations make it difficult to evaluate like this, but towards the end of the game when we finally did start trying to, you know, now chase the game and we were down to one, we gave them more trouble and created more opportunities for ourselves in, in the final 10 minutes than we did all game. And I, you know, I think... We, we did, but, but the other side of that, Elliot, is it was inevitable, as we've seen against Dortmund, that in the last 20 minutes, they're going to run out of some steam and you're going to get some chances. That's fair. Nope, that's fair. I mean, um, James, I'll get to you, and then I do want to talk tactically about, what you know, what the issues are with, with pressure and, and how we deal with it. But um, do, are you frustrated that, that we didn't come to play a little bit more? I mean, I, I'm of the belief that we have the better quality in the side. Um, you know, I mean, you may, maybe they have the better striker. I mean, you could certainly make that argument. Um, but we we didn't let that quality show, and I think we, we capitulated. I mean, do, do you think to some extent, almost similar to last season's game, scoring early caused us to maybe overdo it and tip the balance too much to sitting in our own half and, and thinking about playing on the counter and that maybe if we hadn't scored so early – we we would have been more involved in the match. I mean, how much do you think of it? How much of it do you think was what they did right? How much of it do you think was that we just showed them way too much respect? Um, I certainly think there was a lot of it to do with how well they approached the game. Certainly, um, personally, and listen, opinions are going to differ because what's so difficult to assess, especially say after a loss is whether having adopted a different type of approach to a game would have actually had a more positive impact on the result because it's easy to say after a negative um, or after a loss or a defeat that doing anything else would have led to a better outcome because it can't get any worse Um, in the sense that you look at this game and you can attribute the goals we conceded and the chances that we conceded throughout the entirety of the match down to the fact that we, we, we sat too deep and thus didn't allow ourselves to retain possession further up the field. Um, thus, we didn't really um, allow our, our back line or, or the the backs or the, or the two banks of four to um, any relief throughout the match. But... Personally, going into the game, that was the the way I had expected we would we would play, and the way that I was hoping we would play, given how effective we we've, we've been at doing it in the in very recent times. Um, certainly, the city game is is the platform in which you uh, you look for us to to move forward from. And I do think that if you look towards, you know, I hate to bring these back up, but you look towards Anfield and Stamford Bridge from last season. Dortmund this season, the type of style of play that we've really, really struggled with um, over the last couple of seasons has been this this exact high-energy press. And I fear that had we come out and really tried to take the game to, to Spurs, given the way that they play, play given the atmosphere of the, of the match, given the performances of, of the Ramsey and Gazzola, who are so pivotal to the transitional phases um, of, of the game, I feel like you know we could really have been turned over. I I'm not sure if it was, you know, uh, if the approach itself that we adopted was 
was the reason why we lost as such. I think it was the way in which we um, enacted it because I don't think we were quite as organized as we had been against City. I don't there, there, there wasn't a, t- a moment in the City game where we, we had as much space as we did have on several occasions on the right-hand side of our defense with Bellerin and Welbeck. I don't know if that's partly because Welbeck's you know, been thrown recently back in the side. Um, he wasn't quite on the same wavelength as Hector throughout the, ma- throughout the match because I'm not quite sure why Hector was following um, Christian Eriksen in centrally quite a- as much as he did. Um, and as we've talked about, the, the performance of Cazorla and Ramsey in particular made it very difficult for us to be organized at the back because defensively they, were, they weren't solid and more importantly, when we would get the ball back in 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 those dangerous high pressure moments in our own uh, third of the pitch, we would very frequently give it right back to them, and that meant that the pressure was sustained for large periods of the match, which yes. naturally is going to lead to more chances being created. And I don't think that's necessarily a, a fault of of the system we we put in place. I do think that that type of system makes those actions and the, the ability to then retain possession on the turnover more difficult but we have the we should have the players the players that we have should have the quality to be able to do just that we talk a lot about as it was ball handling skills we talk a lot about Cazorla's ability to wriggle past players and 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 find those exact little tight um, spaces to distribute it to Ramsey and and as you to then flick it back on and, and and start that counter and that's where we really really struggled today that was really really the big issue um and I'm, again, I, I think in theory and in practice going into the game, the shape that we adopted was was sensible given the type of style that um, Spurs play and especially at their ground. But I just think the performance as such and uh, the execution was was poor and that was the ultimate downfall. And, you know, saying that, we, given quite just how poor the execution was, you know, we, only, we ended up only losing the game in, in the 87th minute, so we nearly got away with it. Um, yeah, I, but frankly, the performance was, was poor from start to finish. I, I, I'd be more critical of it than that. I think there was a lot of naivete here. I think that, that there was a lack of, of learning lessons. And, and really, this, this is, you know, when I'm criticizing the manager about tactics, it's not that he doesn't do tactics. It's that he doesn't seem to prepare the team for the opposition he's going to face. And players have said, we don't look at the opposition we're going to face. We, we focus on what we do. That doesn't mean he doesn't change tactics for the games, but it do- I don't think it's specifically tailored to what the other team does. And we've struggled with pressure all season. We, we struggled with against Dortmund. We struggled with against Liverpool. We struggled today. We can't get out of our own half when teams press us energetically in our half. And I thought, we didn't have an out ball today except for Welbeck. I don't know what purpose Ozil serves out wide in a game when there's going to be a lot of pressure. Neither he nor Giroud can run in behind their their back four. You know, Walcott might have been more suited to that as an outlet ball. Um, I think playing in your own half plays exactly into what Pochettino wants to do because he wants to get you know, close to you, in your half, press you, get the ball off you, and create chances with quick transitions that way. And playing in our own half, that's exactly what we did. And maybe some of the problem for Cazorla and Ramsey is when they looked up, there was no one to give the ball to that would relieve pressure. Um, you know, or- Orbino made a, a, a good point. He's an Opta content director who tweets Arsenal statistics. He said it's, it's BS about possession not mattering. Otherwise, every team would just give the ball away. Possession is about game management. And he pointed out that our pass percentage in the opposition half, Giroud 48%, Cazorla 63%, Ramsey 65%. We just gave the ball away cheaply all game. Um, you know, for players, that, for the 
the technical quality of the players we have, it is really surprising to me that we, and some of the pacey players that we have, that we have not been able to devise a system to handle pressure um, and to, to escape pressure and create more opportunities. And from an in-game management standpoint, it really frustrated me today because once it became clear that we just could not get out of our half and the game that Ramsey and Cazorla were having, I I thought that we we could have done more than we did to change the dynamic of the game. Um, you know, I don't want to pile on. Look, we've still been in a pretty good run of form. Uh, we have some easy fixtures coming up. Spurs, Liverpool, they have some. They have each other. For, for one thing, they have some difficult fixtures coming up. The manager pointed out after the game, we've played more away games than, than Spurs has, so our home form is going to be crucial now. I don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater here, but something I've always banged on about is the race for fourth isn't the payoff. The payoff is beating your rivals, and it's frustrating not to beat Spurs um, after doing it three times last season. We won't get the chance to do it this season, which is very disappointing. Um, let's end really quickly, since we're about to hit the hour mark, on the question of the top four. Um, Paul, you know, obviously it's still too early. A lot of football to be played. There's a lot of teams in the chase for it. I think you can't rule out Southampton. You can't rule out Spurs and Liverpool or us. So does the result today give you any cause for concern with respect to the top four? Do you still feel confident we could finish fourth or above? Or, you know, is, is today just a reminder that, that maybe not everything is rosy in Arsenal land? Um, yeah, it gives me a bit more concern. I, I still think we'll be fine when push comes to shove. Here's my brilliant insight on the top four conversation. Mm -hmm. If we'd had this conversation in October, November, it would have been all about how the battle for the top four was between uh, a bunch of teams who were all shit. Yeah. I think we all remember those conversations. Yeah. And now that's completely flipped. Liverpool have started playing like last year uh, in terms of their aggressiveness, their style. You know, they're a dangerous team for anybody right now. Spurs are a very dangerous team. Southampton are very strong. Uh United are shit, but incredibly lucky, uh, as only United can be. So it's going to be a tough battle. I, I still think we'll be okay. I still think we have a good shot at third. Um, and the, is, the issue for us will be games like, look, here, here's the good news. As of this moment, and it'll change in the next 30 minutes, Chelsea is 1-1 with Aston Villa away from home. Mm -hmm. And Manchester City is a goal down, so... That's that's the Premier League at the moment. If I felt that those were the teams we were chasing, that would be great. And, and to your point, look, teams can drop points anywhere. And going to White Hart Lane isn't easy. I mean, Chelsea conceded five at White Hart Lane. Um, yeah. I I just the you know you you don't want to jump on the team and the manager just because they they don't win away at a, at a at a tough place in a derby match. I mean, there's still a lot of positives. We didn't have Alexis today, who is absolutely the best player in the Premier League right now, in my opinion. I just I worry that we saw some of the things today that we saw in the beginning of the season with this four one four one where Ozil didn't really know how to get involved. Cazorla and Ramsey, if you press them, struggled to to get out of their own half. You know, and and with an, yeah. one eye towards the Champions League, we're going to have some very good teams we potentially could be playing uh, in that competition, and we're we're going to have to learn how to deal with 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 pressure like this, especially away. So. You know, maybe there's some lessons to be learned. I, it, it is disappointing 
I think more than anything, you, you know what, guys? The reason I'm really disappointed is I do believe we are the better team. We we didn't show it today, but I believe that. And I believe we have the better quality. And I, I there's a part of me that would love to go back and play that game again and see how it goes if we reverted to a little more of the original Arsenal style and just had a go at them. Um, because, I, you know, maybe they still get two goals, but I think maybe we get three, four, five, whatever it is. Because when we did get at them, they looked very shaky at the back. Um and we just we just didn't do it enough. As for you, Paul, I'm I'm guessing you're with or sorry, James, you're with Paul. Uh not too concerned about top four, still think we're uh we're favorites for it. We'll make the top four. Yeah. Probably get third. You think third. I mean I have to um, I have to agree. Let, I don't think United are very good. Yeah. Let me tell you why. Look. You can sometimes you can draw too much from a single game. You can going into this game have looked at City looked at the past performances, and of course Tottenham were on a good run. And say, well, look, you know, we we're going to come out with a strong performance. This is indicative of of the of the form going forward from here on in. Um, and you know, we're 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 on the we're on the up. We're heavy favourites for the, well, we're 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 a team that should be going certainly toe to toe performance wise against Spurs. But on the day, look, Spurs played excellently. We played poorly, but that doesn't that's. What I'm trying to say is that's not necessarily indicative of, of the way in which we're going to be playing in future games because certainly if you look at our, our fixtures from now, the toughest games we have are all at home. Um, the Chelsea fixture we have is at home. The Liverpool fixture we have is at home. Um, the Everton fixture is at home. The you know the toughest away games we have with, with Palace, QPR, um, Newcastle, Burnley, we've... You know, if you look at that, we, we still go to Old Trafford, don't we? We go to we do go to Old Trafford right at the end of the season. That is true. Um, but a lot of uh, a lot of our tougher games are at home. Even say Swansea, where we struggled away from home. That's at the Emirates. The fixture list does look promising, and certainly given the the way we've played against those type of sides, um, and the, you know how that those type of games kind of suit the the way in which we play. We've all, we've even in the last few seasons where we. Um, we haven't been great. We've still been known to be a, a team that often often dominates the lower end of the um, teams in the lower end of the table. I've, I I think I think we'll still we'll still finish extremely strongly. Um, the, the big worry coming out of this game is it does give you a little more fear for the Champions League fixtures that we uh, well, the game against Monaco as such because it does it did show that when a good team comes at you. Um, with a high pressing game, we we struggled once again, and that's that that's still very much a frailty in this side. But I just looking at the fixtures we have, I can't see many teams um, being able to impose that upon us. And I, I I do think, especially given how much we've talked about the to the strength of the com- of competition in this squad and and the strength of the players that we do have, that we'll, we'll hit a, we'll hit we'll hit another good patch over the next few over the next few games. And I think we'll we'll definitely make the top four. Okay, yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with that, Paul. Final thoughts on top four and and where the, what this game means, you know, in the in the wider scheme of things. Yeah, I, I just think the bigger, you know, you, I'm sure we all thought before this game, if we win this, man, how we're set up for the three competitions, how this mm-hmm. team will feel it's about itself, you know, our belief going, and that to me is. You know, you want the three points. You want to beat the your rivals. You want to beat Spurs at White Hart Lane. But man, if we got three points today, how we would have felt about the three competitions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I think people were so hungry to believe corners have been turned, and that 
maybe the Premier League wasn't out of reach and that maybe we're becoming the team we really think we can be. And so I think that's what hurts today is not just losing, but really getting manhandled and looking yeah. weak uh, at a time when we thought maybe we were becoming one of the the bullies of the Premier League. We, we, we got bullied today. Um, yeah. I will say that Alexis Sanchez, you know, look, he's going to be handy in any game, but today would have been such a, a an important game for him because he's a player who make, you know, it's hard to wrestle the impetus away from him. He gets the ball and he's either fouled or he gets past you. He's he's dogged. He fights. He, could have he changed, chases. Yeah, he could have changed our energy yep. today. And we needed somebody beyond the back four uh, who you could, you know, on analysis, you could probably say they, they did a really good job with Coquelin. Um, you know, you needed somebody up the pitch beyond Welbeck to change the energy. Well, the good news here is we have a home game against Leicester, and while you can't take anything for granted, it's Tuesday. There's not a lot of time to dwell on this. There's not a lot of time for heads to drop. Leicester, Tuesday, FA Cup at the weekend, home to Borough. We win those two. We're deep in the FA Cup. We're we're back into winning ways, and, and maybe Spurs and Liverpool both drop points, or one of them will drop points in midweek because they play each other. We could be right back in the top four and deep in the FA Cup by this time next weekend. So... There's plenty of opportunity to turn the momentum right back around in our favor um, heading into Champions League in the run-in. So don't want to end it on a doomy note. I, you know, I still think we have the quality and the ability to finish in the top four challenge for the FA Cup and, and maybe make a little run in the Champions League. It's just you hate to see us go to, go to the lane and, and not just be beaten, but be beaten where we're really bullied. I think that's that's the hard part about today. But... As always, the best part of today was discussing it with you gentlemen. Uh, you should follow them on Twitter and read their blogs and listen to this podcast as much as possible. Uh, James, you can find him at GoonerFanatic49 on Twitter. James, as always, your insights are greatly appreciated. Thanks, Elliot. Pleasure to be on as always. Yeah, no, it's 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 good to talk to you. And, and despite the fact that I, I sometimes uh, don't see things uh, in the identical manner that you do, you... Uh, you always give me something to think about and explain it in a better way than I do and prove ultimately that your points are the better ones. Um, so that's greatly appreciated. Um, and Paul, you can find him on Twitter at Poznan in my pants. Um, Paul, not a great day, but but appreciate your take on it. We only like to blog when we're winning, blog when we're winning. <laughs> <laughs> and pod. Yeah, well, we, we, we pod all the time, unfortunately. Um, my name is Elliot yeah. Smith. You can follow me, unfollow me, or block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Uh, based on the result today, I recommend the latter, at least until the result on Tuesday. Um, when we will be back, hopefully discussing a massive victory that gets us back on track and maybe some results that go our way uh, the rest of the weekend and in midweek. Until that time, cheers. We'll talk to you then. Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Here's what we love, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. What's going on, everybody? This is Mac Wilds, one-third of the almighty guys next door. And if you're listening to this, we want you to be a neighbor. Now, I know you guys are probably thinking, like, what do these guys talk about? What is it? Well, listen, we talk about everything under the sun. We talk about everything that it means to be a young millennial man in today's society, whether it's finance the type of condoms that you use, or how to deal with love issues, or lack of emotion. 
we talk about everything and we go there guys we go there we really really have a lot of fun so uh if you guys would love to we would love you to come on over come mosey on down you know right past sesame street we want you guys to come come kick it with us come get some sugar we are the guys next door peace a cash recommends <laughs>